This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. People might be somewhat set in their ways or want to do it their way because they are entrepreneurs. How have you been able to bring that into a business where you could actually help entrepreneurs? The key again for me is to come back and listen. If you can ask someone the question, what are you trying to achieve? Quite often a lot of people really struggle just to articulate what their vision is. When you can help someone get to that point of saying, okay, these are your goals, this is your vision, this is your purpose. Then from there, I'm able to work it all backwards saying, okay, what are the steps that we're going to take in order to help you achieve that? And I, I have no accountability. I don't, I don't take on any responsibility for their life, their achievements, but I step into the space of supporting them, just believing in them, just respecting them, giving them somewhere that they feel that they can feel confident that they can trust someone to talk to, not be judged. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Shane Strudwick. You describe yourself as a life wire, idea connector, brander, and visual communicator. Shane, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to American Real. Thank you, Roger. It's great to be here. And um, I'm just uh, flabbergasted because it, you live on the other side of the world. It's 3 a.m. for you. And I've given you a couple <laughs> options to, to reschedule, but you're like, no, we're here. We're doing it. And I just appreciate uh, you, you hanging in and, and uh, giving us some of your time in the middle of the night. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, that's, uh, that's the uh, downside or the upside, I guess, when it comes to being on the other side of the planet here in Australia. But uh, you know, it fits in with everything as well. It sort of works within every schedule. And I guess the other thing is I get no distractions in the middle of my family as well. So there's some positives in it. Yes. And you're no stranger to these uh, midnight calls because uh, you just finished the brand intervention masterclass where David Breyer is the instructor. He's part of our American Real Academy. And I'd love just to talk, spend a few minutes to get your thoughts about that program. It was a nine week, very intense program where there's mentorship classes uh, on Saturday mornings here in the US, which is, uh, I guess, Sunday. Sunday. Sunday in, in, in Australia. <laughs> yeah, normally, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so what was that program like for you? You've done um, a lot of work, we'll get into that today, but what was that specific program like for you? And Tell us how you came upon David Breyer. Um, I, the program itself was fantastic, but I guess my experience with David, first of all, was uh, just online, uh, primarily through LinkedIn. It was my original contact, so I started to follow David's work a few years ago. I mean, my background is actually in design and visual communication. It has been for over 30 years, so um, I already had an affinity, and it's actually really interesting trying to find people in that digital space who are uh, not only experts, but have real, real life experience, real commercial uh, application to what they talk about as well. And that's actually, they're like hen's teeth to me in many ways, because there's a lot of people who were, I'll talk about branding in, this, in a sense, but David actually communicates in a way that it has a real commercial value. It has real tangible connection. It has a real effect, if you know what I mean. So it, there's, there's the theory but there's the practice and I'm a really practical kind of person. It's like, okay, you've told me the theory. What does that look like in the real world? So following David's work for a fair while. And then 
I bought a couple of his books over a period of time, which are actually not very easy to get here in Australia. So particularly his last one, Brand Intervention, I had to get that shit through the US and things like that. And uh, yeah, when I got that, um, it was just fantastic the way he communicated it. And I guess when the masterclass came up around uh, through LinkedIn primarily, I saw it, I thought to myself, you know what, as much as I got a lot of experience, I think continually learning professional development is necessary. And there was no one else talking about the kind of things David was talking about. And uh, it was a bit of a no brainer for me. I'm going, you know what, tapping into this would make plenty of sense. So my only downside was the very early starts every Sunday morning. So yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. And you were uh, certainly committed. Uh, David talks about branding, uh, the definition of branding being the art of differentiation. How does that yeah. compare to your experience and does it fit right in there? Did it, did it hone it in a little bit more uh, about what, cause you've been doing this for a long time yourself. It did. Um, I think what David did was quite often a lot of people in design and things like that, they'll get focused on the art, you know, the, the visual components and these other things. And the, the differentiation point in the, the way the, the process went on from David's perspective on the branding really did laser target lots of things for me. It took, all the skills and knowledge that I had and it actually gave me a really delineated process on how to help define branding. So the differentiation is just now part of my vocab, you know, like it's just becomes a normal, when I'm talking to my own clients and even myself is now, how are we different? How are we different? How are we different? You know? And so having that um, simple level of communication question actually makes a major difference because questions are the answers, aren't they ultimately? And that's just big, really, it's the fundamental question when it comes to branding. So um, yeah, it's made a major difference and it's sharpened my skills a lot better too. Awesome. You and I have uh, certainly several things in common. One of them is, which you may not know, we were both born in 1969, which is uh, pretty cool. cool. And um, yeah, we both love photography. I took photography going back to high school and it's always been a part of me, even though I didn't focus on yeah. it as a career. I utilize that as a tool in virtually everything I've done. Um, but you are you are super good at your craft. I, I had a chance to look at your your work on your website. Just some amazing, amazing photos. One that stood out in particular is the one where the camera was on the ground and you were standing above the camera and the World Trade Center was was in the backdrop. I, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about that moment. Um, then we'll get into your trip in 1999. But um, that that just that really caught my eye. Thank you. Yeah, um, actually, it's one of my favorite images as well. It's a there's a starkness and a simpleness about it, but the to sort of structure that 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 space that that trip when I when I got to New York um, when I especially went down to the World Trade uh, area, the plaza and things like that, it was just like a ghost town. It was really strange, actually. It was quite eerie. I mean, it was a bit of a working day. Um, and when I was sort of in the plaza, just looking around, it was just a few scattered people. But knowing that there's thousands of people in these buildings, and I, I just thought to myself, how do I sort of capture this moment? Because you can't photograph something so tall in such a tight space. And I thought, well, it was a, it was a selfie before selfies were a thing, really, back in the day, because it's on the old film camera and then you know, set the timer and do everything else like that. So... Uh, I thought, you know, I didn't really have a flash on me. I thought, you know what, the silhouette was just a, the perfect way to sort of summarize it. So I just literally put it down and, yeah, got the shot and I was very happy with it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, especially quite poignant because obviously what happened, you know, not long after that, it was uh, 
quite um, a special memory to sort of think back on too. So yeah, no doubt. Trip, though. What uh, what were you thinking about on September 11, two thousand and one? Well, I explicitly still remember hearing about it because I was here in Australia uh, when it happened. I was at that particular time. I was actually driving out to see a new accountant, and I just had a newborn. My eldest son now, Darcy, he's twenty now, I think. So he was only a few months old, and it was like time stopped. The, it just didn't seem real, you know. As much as you know, America is so far away from us. We're still so closely connected as as a cultural culturally as countries as friends. Um, and I've visited there a lot. I've lived there for a year. Um, it's it's like it hits at home. So it, you you know like we yeah I get a bit emotional just thinking about it now. It's just yeah unfathomable what happened and just really sad. It's just just sad, you know. So many things. I mean. Life is like that, but these things don't need to happen as well. So we were really moved in Australia by that and shocked at the same time. So, yeah, it's very crystal clear. I knew exactly, still visualise it, where I was driving, where I was and everything else like that. So, um, yeah, it stayed with me forever. And that image, just obviously, with me being there, made a major difference to that emotionally too. Yeah. Have you had a chance to talk to your uh, your kids, your uh, friends uh, about, you know, that whole experience of being there? on that, uh, as we call it, sacred ground, actually, because uh, so many uh, people tragically lost their their lives that day. Yeah, we do talk about, obviously, when the anniversary particularly comes up, because it's around near my wedding anniversary as well. Um, so it's, it's just always close to home. Um, I haven't yet experienced going back to New York to see the memorial since then. That's on one of my to-do lists. Um, imagine the whole landscape has completely transformed from the last time I was there when I got that image. Um, and yeah, it, it does, it does come up. It comes up in our media now and then as well. It's probably the day that really the world changed in many ways. Um, and I guess we had to, uh, we took life in a different way. It seems to be happening more and more regularly now, but um, yeah, we do talk about it occasionally here in Australia and it's not something that we take lightly. That's for sure. Yeah, and that trip of 1999 that you had was certainly, uh, from what I read, uh, probably the uh, turning point uh, in your life yeah. uh, because you uh, had taken a trip down to Mexico. Uh, I, I believe your wife had flown home at that point and, and you stayed. Mm -hmm. That's great, yeah. So um, it, at that point in my life, I was nearly 30 years old and uh, you just get into different stages of things. I was literally just cruising along in life and... I had a good career. I was doing, doing my design work. And I'd, before I left Australia, I'd plan on um, working as a partner in the business, in the design business. So I thought, okay, this will be my last swan song. It's ready for house, ready for kids, ready for everything else like that. Time to settle down. I'll do my one last world trip kind of thing. Um, so we went through Europe. We went to see a friend's wedding in Germany. And then I left my wife. She left from London, flew back to Australia. And then I went on to do... It was more of a personal journey to go. I'm a real major, major fan of your outback region, your deserts like Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, just beautiful, beautiful lands for photography, you know. Plus the experience when you're out driving in those things. I love desert landscapes. I just think they're so starkly beautiful. Um, yeah, you've got probably amongst the best in the world without doubt, I think. So, yeah, I did my trip. Um, and part of the little goal was to get down to Tombstone. And then I thought I'd wander down to El Paso. And uh, yeah, 
thought, oh, well, I've got a day, I'll jump over the border and went into Juarez and uh, Juarez, sorry. And then, um, yeah, things <laughs> things changed from there, really. Although, I mean, I did a, I did a video about it recently, actually. I thought it was time to sort of share that story and that experience, but it, it did change my life. So, in essence, I put myself in quite a dangerous, dangerous position down there. I wasn't aware of how, what's the word, what the town was like. I didn't quite grasp how um, it's it's a dangerous territory in many ways, you know. I mean, um, and so, yeah, I met a local guy. He sort of approached me about different things and I thought his English was good. And uh, so I, as a photographer, super curious, super curious about everything. I um, learned some lessons and I'd been studying martial arts back then too. And so I felt pretty confident with myself, probably a bit too confident, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway he um he basically lured me um into an abandoned building where i was mugged in essence and i just remember just sort of being pushed into this corner i had a broken beer bottle sort of shoved into my neck and i just i just just remember wedge and there's this guy he's got his knee on my shoulder and it was a dirt floor abandoned building nobody knew i was there like i didn't tell my wife i didn't i didn't tell anyone um, and I just pictured, pictured myself laying there in a pool of blood and I was thinking, uh, this is not the way that I want to see my life end. And they rifled through everything. They found my camera gear. That was like the jackpot to them. And, uh, and then three other guys had appeared from the doorway as well. And I thought, oh man, I'm just so outnumbered here. Like, what have I got to lose? You know, it's either, it's either I submit or I fight. And um, I just thought, oh, that's it. So I went for it after they took my camera bag out. And this is a really condensed story. Yes, I did see the video. Um, we'll, we'll put a link to that in, in so people could watch the full video. Yeah. yeah. Um, so fortunately, I just decided to go for it. And just, I got this rush of energy. And I was more concerned about the fact that my, my wife didn't know I was there. Nobody knew it was there. People who loved me. And I hadn't really stopped to think about them until it's in that moment. And um, so I just thought I launched up, I pushed these guys out of the way and then I bailed out. They, the, people, the girl and another guy had took my gear, disappeared and eventually I saw them, I chased them down. I just just remember the adrenaline, I don't remember my feet touching the ground. I dropped my camera bag, they had my cash watch and all that stuff and the wedding, my wedding ring, I unfortunately took it off and had a little side pocket. Very, very shaky and lots of adrenaline. I found my way back to the to customs in the States and only needed a quarter to get back in. And fortunately, it was the only sort of serendipitous, really just one quarter they didn't get. It was still sitting in the corner of my pocket. And customs said, are you okay? And I went, yeah. And they said, all right. Well, and I just remember I got back in my hire car and I just drew, drove as far north into the States as I could get. I think I got to um, El Paso, no, right up to Santa Fe. And I just remember being on the road the whole time and thinking I wasn't angry at them. It wasn't their fault. They're just trying to survive. That was that was their world. And I thought, you know what, it's it's time that I started to take the bull by the horns. And at that time, obviously there was no sort of you know tablets and things like that. And I was reading Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. And all these things were coming together at the same time for me, thinking, all right, this is a bit of a sign. And the next day. What really did seal it for me was the next day when I, I called my wife and um, I didn't tell her what had happened because of, she was back in Australia by then and she'd be really worried. And she was crying because she'd had just lost uh, miscarried. And 
I, I believe in the universe. You know, I, I believe in that we are connected by energy. There's no, you know, things don't happen by luck in many ways. And there's certainly things that go on. And I felt that when I reflected on what had happened, I, I believed at that time that I was grateful and my life was swapped. And I thought, you know what? I've got to start living it. I, I can't keep doing this because I can give a lot more and I can get a lot more and I can create a lot more and I can be a lot more. So in that moment, but the irony was is when I got back to Australia, two weeks later, we had our local newspaper. It's a big broad spit back in the day. They had this town in there and they said they found a shallow grave of 150 foreigners and they were being used for organ trafficking. And when you sort of sit back and you go, oh boy, um, that could have been me. It just, everything just for me locked in. It was like, okay, it's, it's time. And so literally there's not a day that goes past that I don't sort of reflect on that and have gratitude for what I have, have um, appreciation. And yeah, when, when people complain about some small things and that, I, I just, I don't judge them for it, but I, it just makes you think, you know what, it's time to keep moving, time to keep moving and, and appreciating what you do have and being the best you can be as well. So everyone has their thing in life that potentially could happen to them. Um, for me, it all, all these things sort of fused at once and um, it settled me down, got me focused. And then when I got back, the, the business that I had lined up with my previous job, they ended up saying, no, while you're away, we got somebody else in to take it. So that had closed, that door had closed too. And it's just like, it was just a whole multitude of things that happened at once. And I just went, all right. And so then my entrepreneurial sort of day started from there. I had no idea what I was doing, but I said, all right, that's it, quitting the job. And I'm starting, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I was obviously in the design field at that stage. And so it was just a matter of what am I going to do from there? And then, then my journey started after that. So, yeah, but I am extremely grateful every day for, for the life I have. And that was a part of that trip to New York was a part of that as well. So, yeah. Just incredible, Shane. And um, man, you know, I, I, I help people write uh, books and uh, I cannot help but think about that for you that uh, I hope someday you could put this story into a book because for one reason specifically, and that's to help people. Uh, that story, uh, I, I, was, I was glued to that video I think it was about 18 minutes or so, but uh, for every every second of that video, uh, because um, again, there we, we have something in common. I went through something very similar, in fact, a, a couple of times, unfortunately, and um, it does, uh, it, it changes your perspective on, on life. And especially yeah. the fact that you saw the in the newspaper that that area was a place where they were doing uh, trafficking for organs. I mean, that again, that, that's, that's hits as close to home as possible in a situation like that. Yeah. It sounds, you know, very close to that's where that may have been going. I th you never really know for sure, because until it actually happens, the, the, everything was an, an indicator that it was going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear about your, your stories too one day, you know, and they do, they do change your you just look at the world with a different pair of eyes and yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the gratitude and the appreciation for what you do have um, makes a major difference to how you wake up. And the, I don't look at the small stuff anymore and worry about it. It's just not, and I haven't for t over 20 years since it's happened, you know, and just be calm because, 
you know, here for, I have the same, my wife doesn't like, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. As in, in life, universe is quite big and, you know, uh, we're, you know the planet's billions of years old, so I've got to make the most of it when I can. Hence, I live a fairly adventurous lifestyle at the same time. So, yeah. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, your your career. You have all these different talents. You're a designer, you're a photographer, uh, you're a mentor. How do you utilize those talents? And I'm I'm especially interested. Number one, because you took David's uh, program, which which is awesome, and maybe talk about some of the the things that apply there. But but more so, how you have been able to tap into your talents and use them to your advantage to help people? Yeah, um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm really grateful for my skill sets. You know, um, my mum probably would take all the credit, actually, for my creativity side of it. She's, uh, she's a very good painter, and, yeah, she at least did these paintings behind me. She did those oh. from one of my photos for me, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Are those so watercolours? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's one of my photos, and oh, I just asked to take them. Yeah, yeah. So it's a landscape here in Australia, but I mean, yeah. So she's she's in essence probably where I get the creativity and how. Well, I'm I'm really I get really curious about remaining positive. There's always a solution for something to me. There's always a better way to do something. There's always a way that you can improve on something. You know, like I mean, you can sit there and complain about it the way it is, or accept it the way it is, or you can find an alternative that's going to just give you that little bit more. I love the concept of 1%, just even 1% is just better. And it's not, it's not that you're on the way of striving to, to attain perfection because that's not where the conversation at. It's actually about how do you improve something? How do you communicate something better? How do you make it more positive? Do you know? I mean, uh, if um, I remember my son was measuring something once and he was like a millimetre out on this cube and it wouldn't work. And I thought, well, the detail, it becomes about the detail. Focused on that little extra detail finishes off, which takes you into that realm of, of so much better. And so, you know, I, I always come at questions like that. So I, I, over the years, I've done a lot of training with people. And I, for some reason, just this, these ideas will just come to me um, and I'm able to communicate them quickly. And I find a lot of people lock up. If I, if I say a suggestion or I come up with three ideas about that, I just find they just really, they lock up. They just, they really, I don't know how, how to answer that or how to look at that. Whereas I'll just like a machine gun, just go. And, you know, that's what impressed me about David. I mean, I think sometimes that I'm fast, but I watched him and I go, oh my God, where's this guy coming from? He's sort of whole, he's like a supernova level to me. So, you know, like, so when you, in the visual, when I work in the design of the visual communication space, you, you're a problem solver, really. I mean, you might use uh, graphics to do that or text to do that or video to do sort of some sort of problem solving, but you're a, you're a problem solver. And I figured out my superpower over the years is, you know, creating uncertainty, uh, from uncertainty, creating certainty. You know, it, it gives, I could take information, I can turn into something and get a positive outcome. And so I've just over the years, just been able to do that. I mean, I've had clients say to me, you know, you can take a pig's ear and turn it into a silk purse, you know. And I'm just, <laughs> like, well, it's, just, it's just like, well, that's just the way I see it. When you're looking for the best outcome on something within it, whether it's a budget or whatever the communication piece is, it's just a matter of focusing on the details um, and then looking for a solution through. Because there's no point grumbling about what what's wrong. That's not going to help anyone achieve what they need to, but there's always a solution through on everything. So I'm really lucky 
and pulling all my skill sets together and go, okay, well, or connecting an experience over there or pulling that in from over here and then coming up with something for people as well. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It just That's just the way I see it and it's just the way I work in my process, really. And what does a typical client project look like for you? What are you doing for your clients in particular? There is no typical project for me. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I thought I might uh, I, um, hear that response. Yeah, um, I'm not really good in the cookie cutter environment. Um, I actually, I would, I, I have a lot of bread and butter stuff that I do. Um, visual communication to me goes across everything. It wouldn't matter um, what it is, whether it's in video or photography or design or anything. It doesn't matter. So quite often, a client will just come to, to a fundamental, an e-newsletter. You know, well, that's not much of an issue so i'll help them reshape that or some signage and display work or uh, obviously website or, or whatever you know um, book design whatever mentoring um, consulting hmm. it doesn't really matter what it is so you, you just learn to do that and that the what you learn out of all that is when you work across so many different industry sectors and david would understand this fully as well you know you you see where these common problems but you see common solutions at the same time and you're able to pull in different ideas and strategies from that industry into this industry and you help people grow more and more, more from that and so I'm really fortunate because my goal is to help my clients achieve the best that they could do I've had I've had clients from the start here I am like over 20 years in my business and even prior to that and I've still got the same clients and quite often they'll go oh listen we might need to move on and things like that and I just some clients because I can keep refreshed I keep up with technology or I keep up with strategies and even doing David's thing is a positive because you start to think to yourself all right well I've now enhanced my skill sets and knowledge more to communicate better and then I take my clients on those journeys with them as well and so I become the guy they just come to they just go well we know we can give it to you and you're just going to come out with something. And I always strive for 95% result before I even give anything to them. And then I'm able to walk them through it and they can see an outcome. And then they might just have their little bit they want to put in. But quite often they just go blind and say, just, can you just do it? And I say, sure. Because I have their interest in heart and I spend their money like it's my money. So I don't want to ever take those relationships for granted as well because getting a, a client it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of money, but having a trusted reputation with integrity is even more important to me as well. So that's what I continually strive for. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I think uh, the fact that you continue to improve or, or try to improve yourself with, you know, education and keeping up with the latest and greatest, that's, to me, that's the the, the biggest thing because, uh, if you go the other way, if you think you know it all or no, no matter what trade you're in, uh, those are the companies that are or the individuals that are typically not growing with their clients as their clients grow. So uh, it's great to hear that. And I hope the people that are listening, both from a uh, standpoint of finding uh, you or a person like you to help them, um, or if they're helping others that they're thinking about the same thing that continually try to educate because life as we know it is mm. is constant learning we could always learn constant just like you said earlier yeah 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 you know the, the the absolute fundamental for me is always questions are the answers the more questions you ask your clients your your friends or whatever the more you're listening the more they're able to articulate things to you the clearer 
everything becomes. And then when you actually can understand something at a fundamental level, you're not talking, you're listening, you're hearing. When you're able to give that information back to them, you go, you know what, I've got it, you know, and then you become the problem solver from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Talk about sustainability. I know that was something uh, on your list that's important to you, but bring it uh, into context for us. Why is sustainability important? You know, we it, sustainability to me is not just about the vitality of our planet. It's everything, you know, like you invest something into something. You don't want to burn and churn it. You want to maximise it as much as possible, whether that's your physical body, whether that's relationships, whether that's business. But obviously the biggest picture is we most quite often put it into the context of environment more than anything. So when I said before about spending my clients' money like it's my own, I don't just take that for granted. To me, having a sustainable relationship means nurturing things, looking after things. Um, So, yeah, it's a really core focus. Like I don't want to put time into something if it's just going to be thrown out, if you know, as a concept or as a relationship or something like that. I just don't see the value in that. Sustainability means a long period of time. I want to build relationships with people over a long period of time because you get the depth you get the trust you get the richness and same with your environment if you treat your environment with that level of respect and trust and you think about it in a big picture that makes a major difference um, so you know like when when you see things going on in the environment or in relationships that aren't sustainable like say government spending for example unsustainable processes that go on in there um, relationships violated um poor decision making um even raising my own kids you know i make choices that are about sustainability for them into the future not not just about an immediate sort of process it's like okay what are we thinking about when it comes to the big picture so yeah sustainability works like that so i tend to get involved whatever i'm doing it's um, always has an environmental understanding but it's also about long-term value that's to me sustainability is as well so, yeah, it's a really important word, I think, in many ways. Can you give us an example of, or two when, when you talk about sustainability, when it comes to your clients? Again, love to give our listeners and our viewers some tips on what they might be able to do a little bit extra or a little bit different. So what are you, what are you doing to build that relationship, to build that trust, to build that sustainability? Well, it's funny, you know, I'm... I can be a customer myself. So I have suppliers or contractors who work for me. And quite often I'll approach you generally with a like, okay, we just want to get the job done and we want to get our money. They don't sit there and think about what are you trying to achieve? How can we help you try to achieve it? There's two different approaches there. You know what I mean? It's a little bit like you can do the drive-through, get your coffee, move on, or you can have a customer experience. So to me, when it comes to nurturing and looking after my clients, it comes down to, I'm not after the immediate gratification of the dollar, you know, like that to me is always the byproduct of what I'm trying to do to give them a valued solution, an opportunity or anything else like that. What I'm really looking for is like, will we have a long-term relationship? And if we do the correct things together and I'm seen as a trusted partner with them during that process, like I'm literally walking side by side with them and they know that they can trust me, then that makes a major difference. Or I could I could walk in and try and be, from a sales perspective, I see myself as a Labrador, not as a pit bull. 
if that makes sense. So I'm happy to be there and I'm happy to have my client, you know, just know that, that, that I'm there. Um, there's no judgment on them on what their choices are. Quite often, a lot of them will come back because they go away, they want to experience something, they get treated poorly, they realise that the value is not there and then they want to come back because they understand and respect the nurtured relationship that I like to bring, the friendliness, um, the problem solving. Like, I'll go out of my way. Like, there, there, when I was in the States, this is how bizarre that I think about things. I'm always looking for ideas. It doesn't matter where I am. And I was, I remember over in the States, I had a client here that owned a, a pub uh, with a restaurant. I remember I found this fantastic menu. I can't remember, I was in Colorado. I asked the owner if I could keep it and I brought it all the way back to give to him. That's, that's how I think about for my clients, you know, say, say, listen, this is a really good model on doing something, you know, and I said, here you go. Let's see what we can do with this. And they appreciate that because it's considered a thought. You know, it's probably like bringing you my flowers randomly now and then you're just thinking about them. And so go the extra mile, just go the extra mile. Love that. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Um, Shane, let's talk about how you went from designer to brander to entrepreneur mentoring, because that piece of it, that entrepreneur mentoring is not easy. The entrepreneurs I feel are a whole different breed and, um, Tend, you know, I, I tend to think that people might be somewhat set in their ways or want to do it, you know, do things their way because they are entrepreneurs. How successful are you there? And I have a feeling I know, you know, because of your uh, traits and in the goodness that you you bring naturally to someone. But how have you been able to bring that into a business where you could actually help entrepreneurs? The key again for me is to come back and. Listen, you know, if, if, if you can ask someone the question, what are you trying to achieve? That could be personal goals, life goals, business goals, whatever. And quite often, a lot of people really struggle just to articulate what their vision is. You know, like they, they really do struggle. And if you can help them achieve that, so I use a brand pyramid in order to help them figure out their, their base skill sets, features, their values right up to the essence of who they are. When you can help someone get to that point of saying, okay, I'm not, these are your goals, this is your vision, this is your purpose, then from there, I'm able to work it all backwards, saying, okay, what are the steps that we're going to take in order to help you achieve that? And I, I have no accountability. I don't, I don't take on any responsibility for their life, for their achievements, but I step into the space of supporting them, just believing in them, just respecting them, giving them somewhere that they feel that they can feel confident that they can trust someone to talk to and not be judged that you know quite often a lot of people will struggle with um, personal issues or self-esteem and things like that and if you can just sort of give yourself to them not be responsible i don't take it on but like give them give yourself some here for you just you know just let me know and you can therefore have really straight respectful conversations with them quite often people just go all right i get what you're saying now and you go from there you're firm not disrespectful, but you're helping them achieve what you need to achieve because the key is when you're talking to them is you're listening, you're taking information in and then you bring that back up, pop it up over this side of the conversation. And then what happens is they start to see how slippery they are on themselves. They start to see how inconsistent they are. They start to see how they procrastinate on different things. And then when you hold them to account on their own conversation, then suddenly it, it narrows things down for them and they start to get into that direction a lot quicker because they've got nowhere to go. It's their words. It's not my words, if you know what I mean. 
So the, the key really is just, yeah, yeah. It's just listening to people, um, really listening and talking to them and bringing it up and showing them that level of respect and never tell them anything, but it's always anecdotal conversations. It's always, I'm a really big one on um, probable future. What's a probable future if you do this? And let them visualize for themselves what they can see. And you go, okay, what's the probable future if you don't do that? Where will you be? And so, you know, do the old sit on the porch when you're 70 and live your life backwards kind of thing. So, you know, once you get people practicing their own visualization techniques and you just help them, I guess, find that process with entrepreneurs because they can be so easily distracted on what they're doing. And yeah, as you say, they can, you know, they won't listen. Uh, quite often that they will take the words in if you respect them and their space as well. Yeah. Why do you think it is that most people can't see things for themselves, for their own business? It takes someone else to come in and say, you know, ask the right questions and then, and then offer um, assistance. I, I see that almost every day. <laughs> Where it just seems yeah. so easy and obvious, but when it's right in, you know, when we're, when we're trying to help ourselves, it's, and I'm, and I'm in the same boat. Like there's, there's things I want to do yeah. that I, I believe I could help others do, but I, I have a hard time helping myself. Yeah. Um, I've spent a lot of years doing a lot of personal development and trying to understand the subconscious mind, how it works, um, how human behavior works, how, how you look at yourself biggest thing that I've seen about a lot of people is the fact that they really struggle trusting there's a different way to do something because they have a belief system that their way is the right way because that's all they do know. So in order to step outside of that view, it's like having all these pairs of glasses on. Okay. You're looking through these glasses and they're all tinted by experiences. And so when you start to actually take those glasses off and you start to see life, because when you're born as a baby, you have nothing. You know, you have some genetic values. You don't, I mean, you could take a, you know, um, an Italian baby and land them in America. It would, they'd be only be born in Italy, but they'll be speaking, you know, American in no time at all, in American English, you know, or vice versa. So, you know, when you're, when you're new, but what happens is sensitive life is experience getting away and you put these glasses on, they're all tinted, tinted, and they, they ultimately start to become your truth. And then the more you experience in life you get, the more you start to believe your own truth is the only truth. And so therefore you go, no, that must be like, because I've been hurt by that and that I made a mistake there. So I've made a decision about that. And then what happens is you forget that because that becomes the way you live your life. And so it's really hard to reflect on yourself until you learn to let go of that going, you know what? My version is one version of 8 billion versions. There may be a different way that I can see this. Am I open enough to actually consider it and try it on? Do I trust that I can do that? You know, do I trust? So when you get back to that fundamental of trust, so if entrepreneurs get into a space, to me, this is where I see it anyway, if they get into a space where they start to trust that they could try something on, remove one of those pairs of glasses and say, okay, well, something has happened in my life that's impacted me, doesn't need to necessarily be my future, then, then from there, they start to go, okay, how can I be a bit more open about that and a bit more open about that and a bit more open about that? And then you start to see this 360-degree view of the world where everything is amazing because you're centred. You know, you've removed a lot of those things because you're able to look at and reflect at things in a very different way. You look at them in the purest possible way you can look at them. So that's what it takes. It takes trust. 
and knowing on the other side that you're going to be safe. It's just just your point of view, you know, like it's just your point of view. There's nothing else to it. So that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Where were you born, raised, and how did you get where you are right now? Yeah, I had a, a pretty average up, <laughs> pretty average upbringing. So I, I'm born in Adelaide, here in South Australia, uh, northern suburbs. Um, it's a bit of a challenging area back in the day. So I grew up as a kid in the 70s. Uh, awesome time though, you know, like everything was as you would know. Growing up then, it was. Um, I really feel for my kids nowadays, but then again, I don't because they will never have that sense of experience. So I'd never try to project my childhood on back in my day. Right. I don't do that. <laughs> because, you know, they, they'll never get that. They'll never get that, unfortunately. Um, so um, I learned really early in life. I had a really dysfunctional kind of family environment. At the age of seven, I learned that I was alone. That was in essence, you know. Um, and yeah, it wasn't fun. You know, I didn't have a fun childhood at all. And it takes a lot when you're really little to realize that you're alone and you just have to get through life, you know, growing up in a rough neighborhood, shuffled from family to family, um, didn't know what love was, all those sorts of things. But I knew in my heart I was a good person, you know. Um, yeah, I strayed and got into trouble as a kid a lot because there's no guidance. If you have no guidance, you just, you're just trying to figure out your own rules in life. Fortunately, I never got into the major, major trouble, but I did. I did get into some trouble, um, but I was always a cheeky kid, fun kid. You know, I started working by the age of 11, selling newspapers, loved that job. I was a really cheeky kid, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I used to do really well on the sales side of it. So I think I had an entrepreneurial business kind of side to me back then. I, I used to sell newspapers and the guys would need to fill out like um, crosswords and, and I'd then I'd pull out a 50 cent pencil for them. You need this, sir, you know, and then it's like, just try and find little ways to make a bit of coin. Yeah. Well, again, you're just trying to find a, a solution to a problem, aren't you, really? Um, so, yeah, I left home by the time I was just, just over 15. Wow. And fortunately, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't a great situation. Um, but I just knew I was a good person. And you just, you're just just born into the environment you're born into. It's not – you can't use that as an excuse for who you want to be, and who, especially once you're an adult. As a kid, you go, okay, well, I'm a victim of this world. I'm, I'm here. You don't know any different. You don't like it. But in other ways, you've got other families or other kids will be in perfect situations who don't like it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's the makeup of the person, I guess, and where they're at. So, yeah, I, fortunately, I fell into uh, the hands of um, a teacher back in the day who took me in as a, like a foster kid. And he, thankfully, on so many levels, he actually did an exchange and we lived in Denver for a year in 86. Uh, that was just transformed my whole world. Um, Gave me a sense of confidence. It gave me a sense of trust. Um, gave me a sense of adventure, and it took me out of uh, my fears and lonelinesses and things like that. And so, okay, well, there is a purpose. I didn't really have a direction. I didn't still have anyone sort of completely mentoring me because he only could parent based on his skills as well. But he was a good bloke, and he he really made a made a difference to me. So. When I look back and I, when I got married, particularly, um, I nearly had a marriage breakdown not long after we had our first child. And I didn't realize at the time, because of my own childhood, there was a lot of self-sabotage going on. There was a lot of, I've got an amazing wife, beautiful, you know, like I'm just so blessed in so many ways. And 
And yeah, what was what would happen is all this child. Like, remember I said about the glasses. Well, as a child, you're making you're putting these glasses on too, and you're doing everything to protect yourself. So, I have this whole thing that you know, like, okay, you have to protect yourself. I loved you, but I'm scared about opening up. I'm so you you tend to find yourself sabotaging, not intentionally. It's all subconscious, and that was from that point on when you know my marriage really broke down because I'm explicitly made myself a promise that I didn't want my kids to go through what I went through as a kid. And it was like, uh, okay, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe there's something going on in here that I need to figure out because there are other people who live in a world with peace. They live with love. They live with trust and happiness. Why can't I have that? And then I just didn't realize how full on that journey would be to like the onion, pulling everything back, everything back, everything back. And just when you think you get it, no, keep going. It's a very complex process, but if you're prepared to get to that trust down the track, you'll um, everything you want. It just exists in front of you. You're the same person, but you the way you see the world is really different. So, you know, my childhood wasn't awesome at all, but it didn't make it, it shouldn't and hasn't made a difference to who I am because I'm living today and that's what counts, if that makes sense, you know, and wow. I'm the one who can create what I want for the future out of that as well. Whereas, you know, I've seen other people turn it, turn themselves into victims or just not be nice people. And they've used that as a reason, but it's not a valid reason at all. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, about a lot of lessons in there. One, I think about consistency, you know, to stick with it, to be persistent, yeah. to see it through, you know, all the way, because you could, you could go really far with trying to improve yourself. And then if you, if you don't, go far enough, you may take 10 steps back. Um, so it's really great to hear you talk about this. Again, our whole mission here, while we share these stories of, of our guests uh, like you, is to let's find some things, let's find some pieces of gold that we could help others that are going through similar things right now, or they know someone going through similar things where they could help. So it's just great to hear your story and your perspective and and look, we're human, we're vulnerable. We've, you know, but if, if we don't sure. learn from our mistakes, we can't grow. If we can't admit that we have faults, then, you know, we're perfect, you know, we're, we're, we're imperfect. So uh, just wonderful that you're able to share a piece of your story with us today. I have a couple of last questions for you, Shane, and then I'll let you go. Um, if you were to take out your cell phone now and call that 20 year old self, uh, 20 year old Shane, what might you tell him? Um, I think what I'd say to him is I say, you have to move a lot of rock to find the gold. You know, like life is excellent. Life is, is fantastic. It won't just deliver it to you. You do have to dig for it. You do have to, but when you find it, that's the treasure you really want. You know, life will keep giving you that. To me, that's what I say. I say you're loved, you know, you're loved, um, you love yourself, but people do love you. And, you know, it's okay to be who you are and that's fine. You know, to me, that's that's where it is, just that sense of security about yourself, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's just, yeah, move, move the rock and the gold is sitting right there for you. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What's coming up next for you? Um, anything you'd like to tell our audience about, what they could look for? in um you know future projects or anything like that i've got i got a few things going on so i'm still going to continue my uh, branding and design I, I love that uh, to me it's 
so really daily is a learning curve out of that as well. Um, I've spent a lot of years doing in the tourism sector, which I'm now gradually moving from. I've got a couple of things. I'm helping my son. Uh, he builds um, robots. He's in high school and he's starting a business. So I'm helping him grow his wow. opportunities as well. We're sort of working. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's an incredible kid, actually. So uh, yeah, it's great. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's really exciting. He's been squirreling away for the last 14 months on developing circuit boards so um, schools could build their own uh, robot kits and things like that so um wow. he's very passionate about it yeah and incredibly self self-taught self-learning um so f- nothing like it anywhere you know what he's trying to do at the moment is, is incredible so uh, um, and how fun is that to be able to work with your son you know on something that must oh, be- it's it's it, it's awesome it's awesome he, he his knowledge though in the electronic space it, it's just far exceeds me you know like um so i, I come into it from the the, the business head the, you know the, just the experience the entrepreneurial space just the, the business now is more than anything um he is the brains when it comes to the tech tech side of it and he's self-taught i mean to the point where he's starting his electronics <laughs> at school he's only in year 11 this year and the, the electronics teacher had said listen you go straight to stage two and just do whatever you want we don't care <laughs> you know Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, super impressive. Yeah, so um, wow. so helping him, but yeah, I've also started another business. I've been involved in a um, their industrial coatings, basically business, and I'm importing out of the states um, for a company over there. And these these I like to get involved with things that are really innovative and unique. And there's a particular range of coatings out of the states that are just uh, phenomenal from from heat corrosion management, uh, just all sorts of stuff, um, and they're just really unique you know and there's nothing like them so i'm looking forward to stepping into completely new sectors that i feel really confident about i mean to me sales and entrepreneurship is again this thing problem solve and then go back to the manufacturer and talk about how we fix the problems and but what i do bring into the skill set in the mix is the the branding you know the differentiation points of views the marketing and all the skills that that i've been building for clients for over over 20 years now I can just bring it into my own business. So I can just build my resources, bang, 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 you know, how to protect it. And then therefore that saves me a lot of money. We're talking sure. serious amounts of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really, yeah, it's called Neotech Coatings. And so out of what I really wanted to get out of the brand masterclass was the differentiation of that. I knew that I was stuck. You know, you talked before about entrepreneurs, you know, they're in their own business and tripping over themselves. I knew I needed some accountability and I knew I needed some space in order to allow myself to work through what I needed to do on my end as well. And couldn't really find anyone that I needed. And David was the man, you know. So, awesome. um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, it was really, it was, uh, it was phenomenal, you know. And he was always completely open to me, just asking him a few questions. And um, I love the way he just kept giving everything of himself in order to help everyone achieve what they needed to. He didn't ever hold back. And uh, yeah, um, I, I, I think you might've mentioned, I, I, I took a lot of those lessons and those conversations we had and I converted them to MP3s and they're on my playlist in the wow. car, even in the bed, you know, like I just continually just keep listening to those conversations and, you know, that information is just keeps going in more and more and more, you know, it's a continual conversation for me. Quite often when you learn, you might remember, Five percent, ten percent, if you like. Right. So Whereas, repetition. Yeah, so repetition, 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 repetition. Yeah. So, so everything I need to learn doesn't matter whether it's you know with the coatings products, it's the same. I'll get some training, 
convert that. And I just listen, 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 listen. And that's, you know, quite often there's no visual side really needed, but you do need to digest the information and keep it stored up in here. And then that allows you to accelerate your learning from there. So, um, so yeah, that it's, to me, this is really exciting because Australia is untapped largely with these products. Um, I've got serious amounts of work to do, but uh, I've built my values are the fundamental to me, my business, my values are really super critical. And what I've been able to do is I've been able to weed out uh, potential dealers and applicators who are going to be a part of the business based on those values. Because when you hand over a sheet of values to people, people who don't work like that get very uncomfortable quickly <laughs> yes. if they don't understand what they mean. <laughs> I love that idea. I do. You know what happens? You say, these are the values that I think. Let's have a chat about that. And I tell you what, people who like a bit, you know what I mean? They're, just, they're gone. Wow. So it's actually becomes, yeah, it's a very, very, I found a very simple way because people can be really slippery in business, if you know what I mean. And uh, so this way it actually eliminates them quite quickly. And those people who believe in them, you have great conversations straight away. Wow. So that builds that trust. Yeah. If you're willing to share that. I would love to see that. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you. Mm. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, how do people reach you if they're interested in, in your services, if they want to talk to you um, about how you might be able to help them? <laughs> well, probably the easiest way is actually just through my personal, I got, cause I got all these different interests uh, from my personal brand website, zestyshane.com. So um, I, I found I had all these different interests and I thought, you know what, the best thing I can do is just pull them all together into one space. And uh, and yeah, so they can just search Zesty Shane and I'll pop up. There was oh. no Zesty Shane anywhere until I started SEO and getting it all <laughs> sorted. So, but <laughs> and I just thought, you know, I need some point of difference. I love I it. Before Dave. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's great. Yeah, I grabbed Zesty, Zesty Shane. It's, it's only because on Twitter, I couldn't, all the handles are taken, but Zesty Shane wasn't taken. So I grabbed it. That's perfect. <laughs> so no, we'll put a yeah, link yeah, to your good. website there as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, great. No, it's been great. It's been a, good, been a great conversation, Roger. And oh, likewise. Thank you, Shane. Shane Strudwick, welcome to the American Real family. One last question before I let you go. At the end of the day, what type of legacy do you want to leave? What type of mark do you want to leave on this earth? Um, I, I just want to leave the world and the people I connect to in a better place, better people for themselves, more enriched for me, and knowing that you know I've left a, a difference. And that's that's really what we want, you know, like if, if I come away from a conversation with you or anyone else and, and you feel better for that, you feel more trust and we have a, a friendship, what more do I need, you know, and like, and there's another person I love in life, you know, that's, yeah, it's not much more really at all. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, yeah. Shane. Appreciate you coming on the show Thank you. and can't wait to continue to follow your work. Same. Thanks, Roger. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we can help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook 
or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.